Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. We began our journey here and it's been it's been it's been a mini series, yes, but it's it's part of our continuing journey that felt the Lord speak to me, you know, as just to recap in Exodus 33 when when Moses said to the Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. Just an opportunity to, to come again and, and recognize our need of Him. We need Him. I said we need Him. I know this. You see, we've got a lot of stuff around us. We've got a lot of stuff around us that help us believe that we can do life on our own. We've got a lot of stuff around us that help us think that, you know, that, that, that it's nice to have God, but honestly, we can crack on our own. But, but we need to understand that, that without Him, without Him, I know, I know, without Him, I'm not gonna make it. Without Him, I'm not gonna come through. I've, 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 I've walked long enough and walked far enough to know that unless the Lord had been with me, unless the Lord had ordered my steps, unless the Lord had shown me the way, unless the Lord had opened the door, unless the Lord had provided, unless the Lord had healed me, unless the Lord had set me free, unless the Lord had done it for me, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it this far. We've, we've, looked, at, we've looked at the lions with lockjaw. Last week we looked at formed in the fire and today I want to come and talk to you about the promise, the power and the presence. The promise, the power and the presence. This, uh, this scripture is actually uh, something that God introduced into, into my life very early in my Christian walk. Uh, Joshua 1 verses 5 to 6. And it says in, in, in Joshua 1, it says, No one, no one, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. God promised Joshua that while ever the presence was with him, no enemy would be able to stand against him. All the days of his life, no one will be able to, while you're walking with God, no one will be able to stand against you. This was, as I say, spoken over me at my baptism 36 years ago. Stood there in the little overflow room on Talbot Street, full of passion for Jesus and a desire to serve Him with my life. And I love the fact that on that day, I received it, I received it. I know it was a word that was to Joshua, but I believe it was a word that God was also giving to me. And he said, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. And uh, he said that I will lead these people into an inheritance. 
And I want to say I believe that. I'm not preaching on that, but I want to declare it before you that God has called me to lead you into an inheritance. There is a land that has been prepared. There is a land that has been sworn to us by God and it was spoken to our ancestors. This, there are some seeds in the ground. Oh, I know there are some things and there are so many things that seem new about who and what we are. But what you need to understand, the Spirit of God has gone before. And there are some seeds in the ground that are yet to germinate. There are some prayers that have been prayed and there are some prophecies that have been prophesied that are yet to be fulfilled because they are awaiting the appointed time. How many of you know there is an appointed time? There is an appointed time. I know we live in the instant uh, coffee, instant soup, microwave world where we expect everything to happen overnight. But there are some things that we need to understand that God has gone ahead of us long before we arrived and He has made a way. There are seeds in the ground. There are seeds in the ground. There is a harvest yet to be reaped. There, is, there are some things that have been declared in prayer meetings long ago that we were not part of. Some of us were not even born. But those words, linger on through the years and we will walk in that inheritance. We will walk in the things that others have prophesied and they've gone on to glory, but we will walk in the things that they declared. I don't know if you believe it here today, but if you believe it, give the Lord a clap offering. God promises His presence to Joshua. He says, I will not fail you. My God, someone needs to hear that today. God will never fail you. He will never forsake you. I don't know what that voice in, the, in your head has told you. I don't know what the devil's lies has told you. You felt so alone and you felt so lonely and you felt abandoned. But you need to know that God's promise to you is that He will never leave you. Never will He forsake you. And it sounds so encouraging and it sounds almost poetic until you realize that I believe the reason that God had to be so emphatic in His promise was because the presence might not always be sensed. He had to promise I don't believe that you have to promise something that someone is always going to be feeling and someone is always going to be sensing. I don't think that you have to promise something quite so emphatically, but, but God promised it because you're not always going to feel it. It's great to hear in a preach that He'll never fail you. It's great to hear in a preach that He'll never forsake you. But, but we need something more than that because we get caught up in the storms of life. We get caught up in a world of pain. And sometimes if we're honest, God feels a million miles away. That's the truth. Oh, we love Him and yes, we sing to Him and yes, we say that He is real and we hold on to what we believe and what we know. But all I can say is that sometimes it feels like He is a long way away. Like the boy who had to travel to school. He was living in London and uh, the school was a little way away and the father had to teach him to 
to catch the tube to school. He had to catch the first tube and go five stops and then he had to catch the second tube and go two stops, something like that. And, um, and, uh, and so they were preparing this, preparing for this, preparing for this. And, and, and then it came the day where finally he was going to let his son go to school on his own. If you're a parent here, you know. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And um, he got to work that day and he was talking to a colleague and he was saying, hey, you know, I'm so proud of my boy. He, uh, he went to school um, on his own, on his own today for the first time. And uh, his colleague somewhat flippantly said, well, he went on his own for the first time. He said, well, how do you know he made it? And he said, well, I know because I was in the next carriage. <laughs> and I kept my eye on him all the way to the school gates. See, the boy thought he was traveling alone. And he felt like he was traveling alone. But the father's eye was on him all the way. I wanna say to you today, you might feel like you're traveling alone. But God's got His eye on you. You've not dropped, you've not dropped from the radar. He knows who you are and He knows where you are. You're not traveling alone. Turn to someone and say, you're not traveling alone. You're not traveling alone. Sometimes it feels like it, but you're not traveling alone. So often it's only as we look back that we realize. I've, I've had so many times when God has felt so far away. And I, you know, I'm that kind of guy, you know, I'm very real with God and I'm, I'm gonna disappoint you. I'm sure some of you here, but you know, I get upset with God and I tell him I'm upset and you know, I, 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 I shout at him and I'm a bit like that petulant teenager, you know? Uh, and, and I'm saying, God, it's not fair. You know, like, why are you treating me like this? And, and, and I moan at him and I complain at him, but I realize, I've realized as I, as, I, as I go along that, you know, when I look back, I know, I know that I couldn't have made it without him that he had to have been there. It didn't, it didn't feel like it, it didn't seem like it, but he had, he had to have been there. And maybe, maybe it's because he has to promise us his presence and maybe it's because, you know, that we're not always gonna feel him, that he also has to say to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Because even with the promised presence of God, I have some responsibilities. God is saying, I promise you, I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor will I forsake you. But you, this is your job. This is your homework. You, be strong and courageous. And as we journey through life, we learn, we learn to trust in the presence of God. We need people, we need people who have learned, learned to trust. You see, the, the, the truth of the matter is, I'm not gonna learn, I'm not gonna know that God brings me through stuff from a sermon. 
and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna learn that God brings me through stuff through a great worship song, and they're great, and the sermons are great, but they are not enough. I, I, the only way I'm gonna know that God is with me, the only way I'm gonna know that God can bring me through is going through some stuff and coming out the other side where, where I didn't think I was gonna make it, but, but God, God showed me things that don't make sense, things that don't, I don't understand. God, God will be with me. I remember re, uh, getting a phone call back in South Africa. I got a phone call and I've only, thank God, I had a few of these kind of phone calls over the years. But you know, if you know, if you know your, your spouse like I know mine, I, I, I even, I could just tell by the sound of her voice that something, something was wrong. And she said, you need to come home. We've, we've been broken into. And, uh, and, I, I, and I rushed home. And anyone who's had that experience, you know, you don't know. You don't know what you're going to find. You don't know what it's going to look like. And obviously I was upset because my wife was traumatized by getting in the house and finding things like that. And, uh, and I, came, I came home and uh, they, they, they uh, prized some burglar bars off and, uh, and they got in and they'd stolen, they'd stolen, uh, uh, you know, uh, some jewelry and I had some, some watches that I loved and, and that there was cameras gone and, and, uh, and, and it was, the, the place was trashed as you, as you can imagine. And, uh, and, and, and in that moment, you know, your, your mind's all over the place. You're trying to calm your wife and your daughter and because your, your, your home has been violated. It's a, it's a place of safety. It's a, it's a haven. And, then, and, and that makes you feel insecure in the natural in that moment. And, um, and I had a sense. I had a sense in me. And that's all I can say. Didn't hear an audible voice. Didn't, didn't. But I just had a sense within me uh, Go and look in those bushes. We had some bushes over in the corner of the garden, a little bit out of the way. And, and in the bushes was a sports bag loaded up with most, not all, but most of our stuff. He'd had a plan. The thief had had a plan to come back later for the bag of stuff. So he'd made it his escape. I'm so happy to say he would have been disappointed when he... He got there. And, and, and it's all great and it's all great, but it can also kind of mess with your head because the same God who spoke to me about the bag in the bushes is, 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 is the same God that you're thinking, well, Lord, why? Why? Why did you allow this to happen? If, if you speak to me about that, why did you allow this to happen? And, and, and yet I can say that even in that, we were protected because our daughter was home alone the day before. She was off school sick and she was home alone just the day before. It very rarely happened, but just the day before she was home alone. And so thank God it didn't happen on that day. Else we would have had a very different set of circumstances. And what I want to say is that we're not promised a problem-free life. But God will protect us in the problems. He will, this is, it, it harks back to what we were saying last week that, that God, God, there are some fires that God will protect us from and there are some fires that God will protect us through. And there are just some things that we've got we've to trust Him and lean not on our own understanding. Some things I've just got to leave with Him. I'm not going to be able to work it out. You're not going to be able to work it out. You're not going to be able to understand it right 
now. I know you want to understand it. I know it's confusing to you. I know that you are lying awake at night asking the Lord why this and why that. But I want to come and tell you today, trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him with your circumstances. Trust Him with your son. Trust Him with your daughter. Trust Him with your marriage. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him because He's gone ahead and He's making a way. I want to say to someone, someone thinks, someone here thinks that you've lost a lot more than you actually have. And I want to say that God has protected a portion and it's coming back to you. Oh my God. He's protected a portion and it's coming back to you. You can't see it right now because it's hidden. If you like, it's hidden in the bushes. You can't see it right now, but you, I need you to know that God has protected it and it's coming right back to you. Turn to someone and say, it's coming back to you. Don't worry. Don't worry, it's coming back to you. See, God said, and I want us to understand because I, I, I serve a God who I love with all my heart and, and one of our focuses over these weeks the, most, the key focus is an understanding that we need His presence. Not just the theory of it, not just an intellectual understanding on it, not, not just a, a preach about the possibility of it. I need, I need to find a way of experiencing the presence, the presence of the living God. That's what, that's, that's what makes what we do as we serve God, we're not just following a stone God, an idol that we bow down to. Jesus, Jesus who dying on the cross restored to us the presence of the living God. What Adam and Eve threw away through their disobedience, Jesus restored to us through His obedience. And He didn't die to give us religion, He died to give us life. And we find life in His presence, it's His presence. God wants us to know His presence. He doesn't want us to just know about Him. He wants us to know His presence. And yet it's also re required of us that we are strong and courageous. Which means that even when I know God's with me, I'm still gonna have to be strong. It takes strength and courage to get out of a bed when you're feeling depressed and all you wanna do is lie there. It takes strength and courage to, to be upbeat and happy for the kids when actually all you wanna do is curl into a little ball and cry. It takes strength and courage to walk into the office and you know they've been talking about you and yet you put your shoulders back and you lift your head and you walk in there anyway like nothing, like nothing is happening. It takes strength and courage to stand against our Goliaths and the crises of our life. But our confidence in God grows because of what I've been through because of what I've come through. And that's why, that's why I need, you know, I heard someone preaching the other day and listen, he was a young man, he did a great job. It was, it was a great message. It was, it was very, very well formulated and, 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 and very well put together. And as an act of communication, it was almost 
faultless. It really was. And, and yet the only thing, the only thing that I struggled with was, but Meiji, you've not experienced some of the things you're talking about. You see, at the end of the day, I need somebody. If you're gonna, I know you can speak words of encouragement to me. I know, and don't get me wrong, I do appreciate it. But there are sometimes someone comes along and they aren't just preaching or speaking words of encouragement. They're speaking life because when they say it, when they say it, you know they've come through some stuff. They've been through the fire. They've been through hell and high water. And when they say you're gonna make it, you know you're gonna make it because they did. They nearly went out of their mind. They lost their health and came back. They lost their marriage and came back. They, they've held on when everyone else around them said they weren't gonna hold on. And let me tell you, when you meet those kind of people and they come and say, don't worry, God's with you. He's gonna make it something, encourages you deep in your soul. God, I need someone to tell me I can survive. I need someone to tell me I can make it because I, I don't know where I am right now. I don't, know, I don't know how to locate myself. I don't know how to work out what is going on. And I just need someone outside of my circumstances to come along and not just pat me on the back and tell me everything's gonna be all right, but to speak life into my soul. God spoke to Joshua and He spoke to Joshua in a way that he would understand. He said, I will be with you. He said, I will be with you. And, and, and very interesting, he didn't just say, I will be with you. He said, listen, I'm gonna be with you as, as I was with Moses. He gave, he gave Joshua a comparison because otherwise he might not have understood. But Joshua understood because in Exodus 33, verse 11, we read, and obviously this was a little earlier, that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will be with you as I was with Moses, as I was with Moses. I just wonder, I just wonder, I just wonder that in that moment when God was saying, God was saying, I will be with you as I was with Moses, that, that he, had, he had a flashback of this moment where, where Moses had left the tent, but the presence of God so thick. The presence of God was so heavy that, that Joshua, he, he, it makes no sense. His young aide, his, his young servant, his young servant, the moment Moses stirred, he should have stirred. The moment Moses was on his feet, he should have been on his feet because, because that was his job. His job was to, to walk with Moses, but Moses, Moses had to walk back to camp alone because Joshua lingered in the presence. Not that I'm knocking his servanthood. It's interesting that his service to Moses positioned him 
Moses was in a very private place, a very private place in the, in the presence, the presence of God. No one, not just anyone, not just anyone could go with him. But because, because Joshua was his young aide, his servant, he was able, he found himself in a place. And that's what service will do to you. It will position you, exposes you to experiences you would never otherwise have had. Everyone, everyone, everyone called to greatness must learn to serve. Joshua lingered in the presence. Can't move, can't breathe. Presence of God. Sometimes I can't, I can't move because he's there, he's here. Interestingly, when, when he's really here, I don't have the words. The most I can manage is Jesus. I love you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus. Jesus. You're all I need. To be in His presence. To be in His presence. To know how to linger. God. Give us a generation of young people who don't just know about God. But know the presence of God. We've got young people who know how to find the latest sermons. Used to be, used to be that, you know, if you went to a church, really the only person you ever really knew preach was the pastor of your church because you never went anywhere else. But it's pressure now. It's pressure now because young people are on YouTube looking at the greatest preachers from all around the world. And, 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 it, and it's pressure because... It's not, it's not competition really, but, but they have access. They have access to, to messages. And that's, I'm, not, I'm not knocking that. I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. I, I, think, I think that's a great thing. And I know, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of people are knocking social media. And I get it. There are a lot of maybe issues about social media, but there's a lot of good stuff about it too. And, and I don't think that, I think that we, as we criticize some of that, we should come with a balanced view and not just what we've heard other people say, you know, I know. I'm, I'm, and I think that social media can be used in a very powerful and very positive way. I'm not just talking about a selfie and a cappuccino, you know what I mean? It's maybe the whole cappuccino selfie and selfies are 
not quite what I'm talking about, but it provides an opportunity for the person on the street to, to show their gift and talent, puts information and knowledge at, the fingertip, at our fingertips. And of course, it provides a degree of connection. And as I've addressed, there is the flip side. The flip side is that I believe that likes mean I'm loved. And the unfollow means I'm unloved. And I can become disillusioned when I compare my unfiltered world to your Instagram world. But for me, perhaps the most dangerous thing is that it gives the impression you can have relationship without presence. You can have relationship without presence. And we might be able to manage virtual relationships and we might be able to manage our virtual reality world, but that does not work when it comes to God. It does not work when it comes to God. Because we don't serve a virtual God. We serve the Most High God. And long distance relationships really work, but they definitely don't work when it comes to God. It's not only that I need His presence to form relationships, I need His presence because in His presence, He forms me. I'm gonna say that again. It's not only that relationship is formed in His presence, but in His presence, He forms me. The, The prophet Isaiah says that He is the potter and I am the clay. Isaiah 64 verse eight says, yet you, O Lord, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Because the reality is I can't tweet a pot into being. I can't text a pot into being. For the pot to be formed, there has to be presence. I know that's true for you too, because I saw that on Instagram. Kezi had a birthday present where they went to actually do some pot making, some ceramics, which was awesome. It got me thinking that in order for a pot to be formed, you need need presence, but you also need pressure. Because I think that some of us, we follow God and we think that, that, that if I follow God, then I'm just gonna have an easy life. If I follow God, it's all gonna be all right. I just, I, if I follow God, I'm not gonna have the pressure. But, but it's actually not that God relieves me of the pressure because some of the pressure that I'm experiencing actually is from God because He's forming something in me. He's, he's making something of me. But, but the, 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 the potter knows exactly how much pressure He knows where to press. He knows how much pressure He is forming and He's forming something. He's not just holding in His hands and hoping for the best. He has something in mind as He forms and He applies that finger and that and and everything He does has an impact on the part that He is forming. And the clay's job is to yield to the gentle pressure of the potter. God is forming us 
shaping us. Some of those things that you face that you wanted to stop and, you, and you're praying, God, take it away. And, and He's not answering your prayer as quickly as you would want Him to answer it. But He is forming. He is forming something in you because He sees you. And not a, He not only sees who you are, but He sees what He sees about you. Because He sees your potential. You are focused on your problems, but He is focused on your potential. You are focused on all the reasons why He can't use you and God is focused on all the reasons why He can use you. That's why when He looked into the eyes of Simon and, I, and He said, follow me, he, he, he wasn't looking at a man ready to go. He was looking at a man who was gonna deny Him. He was looking at a man who was gonna fail Him not once, but many times. He was looking at someone who was gonna live quite a lot of his walk with Jesus with, with his foot in his mouth, just making mistakes, saying the wrong thing. But Jesus, Jesus saw beyond the man. He saw beyond the man that would one day deny him. At the, at the most crucial moment of his life, when he needed people to stand with him, Peter denied him. With cursing, he said, I do not know him. And Jesus had already told him because he'd already seen it. He already knew. But Jesus had already forgiven him. And he's already seen beyond that because he also saw a man full of the Holy Ghost standing before a crowd of people preaching and 5,000 responding to the altar call. I know you feel you failed. And I know you feel that you failed so badly that God can't ever take you back, but I've come to tell you today that He loves you, that He loves you, that He knows what He's making and God doesn't make mistakes. God has not made a mistake with you and you may you feel that you've, you've let Him down so badly that you can't find your way back, but God had already made room. He knows who you are. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you with all the mistakes, with everything that's wrong. He loves you. He loves you and He has a plan. He has a plan. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil lie to you to say, oh, well, that was a nice dream, but God, God can't use me now. The devil is a liar. God wants you to know that He, you are right on course and you are right in His plan. He is able to take you from where you are right into the fullness of all He sees. Maybe it's a preach for another day, but I was just reflecting on the fact that, you know, once the part is formed and, and, and something beautiful is formed, even then, even then, when, when the presence and the pressure is, has, has influenced the clay, then it has to still see the fire. It still has to see the fire. It still has to see the fire. Last, I know that's last week's message, formed in the fire. I know that's last week's message, but, but, but the clay has to see the fire because something, something is fixed in the fire. Something is established in the fire. I know you spend your time running away from fires, but something is formed in the fire. Something is crystallized in the fire. You discover God in a way you've never discovered Him before. In the fire, there, is only, there are some ways that you can only know God in the fire. Oh my God. 
but I was in the fire, but I was not alone. There was the fourth man. There was the fourth man. There was somebody else with me in the fire. Someone helping me to survive. Someone helping me to walk around. Someone helping me to keep going in the fire. In the fire, it was being fixed in the fire. It was being formed in the fire. Don't give up in the fire. Don't give up. In the fire, the fire is not destroying you. It is forming you. The fire is not destroying you. It is forming you. So Joshua did not leave the tent. Joshua lingered in the presence. My heart is, my heart is that you'll understand this isn't just about listening to another sermon. It's not just about another thing to do. It's, it's a call to to stop and to linger. We've got so used to occupying ourselves. We've got so used to filling our time. We've got so used to, we need something to do. We're just occupied. We're occupied. We're occupied. I'm going to, I've got another sermon in me about that, but it's about that, you know, so, you know, it's often been a phrase, the, the devil finds work for idle hands. You know, that's not the Bible, but it's a saying, the devil finds work for idle hands. I think that it's completely flipped because the devil's filled our hands. Our time is too full. We've, we're occupied, 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 occupied with stuff. We're distracted, we're distracted. And the only way, the only way I'm gonna be a presence carrier is to be in his presence. So much more than a sermon, so much, so much more than a moment. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a lifestyle. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to be in the presence if my mind is all over the place. And please hear me, please hear me. I'm not saying that. I think that some of us, we, we, we convince ourselves that, oh, well, I have my, I have my, I have my quiet time. I read my Bible. I've, I've, I've got my tick. I did it. I did it. I did it. But, but I was distracted. I did it. I went through the motions of devotions. I did what they told me I should do. This is what you should do if you're a Christian. This is what you should do if you walk with God. This is what you should do. But I need, I need more than that. Our minds, our minds. Our minds are so full, darting here and there, darting here and there, darting here and there, filled worries, fears. We talk more about mental health now than we ever have done in a generation. Minds all over the place, scattered thoughts. I need a God I can feel. 
I know I'm not going to feel him all the time. I know I get that. I know I'm going to go through fires and I know I'm going to have tribulation. I know I'm going to have challenges. I know that. I know that. But, but I need to, I need to know him. I, I need to know that I get through this circumstance because even though I can't feel him right now, I know that I have felt him. I know that he was with me in that. I know he got me through that. I know I survived that. I know I came out the other side of that. And that is what fuels my faith in this moment. And it just reminded me, you know, when Jesus said, Jesus had been crucified. He turns up and appears to his disciples in John 20. He says, says, the Bible says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't need a door because he is the door. But they were locked inside. They were locked inside. They were afraid, fearful, with good reason. There was a lot of stuff going on. Their lives quite reasonably were in danger. But Jesus stepped right into their fear. He stepped right into the midst of their anxiety. And in fact, when He said peace, when He said peace be with you, that word peace there in that moment, and He didn't just say it once, He said it twice. He spoke tranquility. My God, if ever we're in a day and age with all that's going on around us, everything that we are facing, we need tranquility. All the worry, all the fear, all the anxiety, oh my God, stuff driving me up the wall. I need something that's gonna quiet my soul. And I believe that God wants His people to be presence carriers. He wants His people to walk in peace. And no doubt, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. But He says, I will be with you. I just believe there are people here today who need to hear that you're, you're in the midst of some stuff, you're in the midst of some circumstances. There are some things that have just become so ongoing, so that, that it's all, you're almost tempted to think this is just the way it's going to be. And I believe that God wants to walk into the midst of the room where you are and say, peace, tranquility, I'm here. It's going to be all right. Have you ever had that experience, you know, when someone walks in and say, someone who knows what they're doing, and they walk in and say, and they say, I'm here. It's going to be all right. And I just believe that the Lord wants to say to you today, I'm here. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. He's here for you. 
He's here for you. It's going to be all right. Some of you have just been so worried about some stuff. You've, you're worried and you're frustrated and, and, you, and you've learned how to put your church smile on and you've learned how to come and sing and you've learned how to keep going. And, but the truth is, the truth, the raw, the raw truth is you're feeling locked in, hemmed in on every side. But Jesus is here. And He's not only here to put your heart at ease. He's here because He knows this room is not where you're supposed to be. He's calling you out. He's calling out of you out of your pain. He's calling you out of your frustration. He's calling you out of your fear. He's calling you out of your anxiety. He's calling you out of your depression. He's calling you out of your low self-image. He's calling you out. He's calling you out because He's got things that He wants you to do because you are the part that He is forming. And that's the beauty of what this potter does because there's some stuff, some pressure that the enemy has tried to throw your way, that the enemy thought he was doing whatever he wanted and the potter was, mm -mm -mm -mm. the devil can't do what he wants in your life. I've got you, I've got you. All things, all things are working together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. It's working for good, it's working for good. I know you can't see it right now, I know you can't feel it right now. It's hidden, but it's working for good. It's working for good. There are some things being formed in the fire. Be strong. Be courageous. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK. 